welcome to episode 83 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, we've had a week off. We apologise. We couldn't get ourselves together the day before Christmas Eve to do a podcast. Um, we hope you all had a very good Christmas. Um, we start with some bad news straight off the bat. We aren't joined by a full roster today. Um, we have a slightly depleted roster with Andy being on the IR for this week. However, we are joined, as per the usual, by Mr. David Grant. I can say that, Dave, because I think me and you are on Ironman status at the moment. So how are we doing? I think it's by a thread, but yeah. Um, I'm OK, um, Joe. Um, Merry Christmas to you from previous... I know we've seen each other since, but uh, also doing it on the recording. Um, and same to you, Griff. I hope you guys had a good one. Um yeah, it's good to discuss um, hockey before we sign off 2021. Um, not that much has happened in the last week, uh, two weeks, but, you know. Uh, no, it should be a good uh, episode. Um, a few things to, you know, that we can uh, go over. Should be should be interesting. Looking forward to this one, actually. Yeah, it's not been the best, <clears throat> the best last couple of weeks in terms of news coming up, but we'll go into that later, but... You're absolutely right. We should uh, a few bits of news for us to uh, dig our teeth in today and uh, and see what we get out of that. So, absolutely right. But no, um, yeah, glad to hear you had a good Christmas, mate. Uh, like you say, first time that we've discussed it on the podcast, but we have, we have had the conversation off uh, off air previously. Um, yeah, Griff. We're also joined by the toothless wonder, Mr. Gareth Dutton, the man who doesn't have Ironman status because I think were you on our last podcast before New Year? How was you? Before New Year, this is the one before New Year, mate. Uh, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I was okay, here, but we were all... Podcast voice. So let's restart. We'll try this again. <laughs> we'll go again. But yeah, I was Joe because we were all annoyed about the not going Belfast. We were, and I think that annoyance still continues to this day. To be fair, I think we'd have still rather have been in Belfast. However. Um, Flights have been changed, and we're, I think we're hopeful now that we've got the right date. So <laughs> we will, uh, we will see. But I'm Fingers. good. Thank good. Thank you anyway, Joe. How about yourself? Have a good Christmas. Well, good. Yeah, it was good. Thanks, mate. Yeah. So glad to have this conversation. Um, <laughs> you say anything else after that? You said it was good. Did you even ask me. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought I asked you. Sorry, I, I apologise. Did you have a good yeah. I did, actually, yeah. It was pretty good. Good food. TV I didn't really watch, so I can't really comment on that, but the rest was good. It was on the laptop that you watched uh, the new series of Letter Kenny. Damn straight. <laughs> Fair play. Um, yeah, no, good. Good, glad to hear. We've all had a good Christmas. Um, and we're ready to go for the final episode of the year, boys. Which is, uh, yeah, we got we got to New Year, skin of his teeth in terms of the league, but we got to New Year. Um, we will come back to everything, obviously, with COVID and and recent news recently. What we're just going to do is quickly whiz through the results since the last time that we we, we spoke. Um, as Gref rightfully pointed out. Uh, the last episode that we did was just before we headed to, or should have headed even, to Belfast. Uh, so we'll start with the fixtures from Saturday, the 18th of December. Uh, the Storm beat the Clan 4-2 in Manchester. The Devils beat the Steelers 5-4 in overtime. Um, 
Then we had Sunday the 19th. Glasgow beat the Cardiff Devils. No. Cardiff Devils beat the Glasgow clan 5-2 in Glasgow. God, this is going well today, boys. Um, <laughs> Wednesday the 22nd, whereby the Steelers beat the clan for 3-2 in overtime. And the Devils lost out 4-3 to Coventry. Sunday the 26th of Boxing Day, the Giants beat the Clam 5-1. Steelers beat the Panthers 5-3. And the Blaze lost 4-3 in a shootout to the Devils. Uh, Monday the 27th, you had the return leg of the Steelers-Panthers game. Uh, 4-1 to the Steelers in Nottingham. The Devils beat the Blaze 6-2 in Cardiff. And the last game that we've had before today's recording was yesterday night, Wednesday the 29th. Uh, Guildford lost out 3-1 to Belfast in Guildford. A lot of fixtures there to choose from, boys. I have zero idea which ones you're all going to choose. So uh, which ones are we picking for our our highlights of the last couple of weeks? I'm going to go the Coventry win in Cardiff. Um, Cardiff has started to build up a a head of steam in that building. Uh, As we know, they can be very dangerous there. So huge result for the Blaze. in, in Cardiff, uh, and I appreciate that they may have not got the wins um, over the, the festive period, but it was one of the games that got changed very quickly because um, it was meant to be Manchester that were playing Cardiff, then about half one. It's actually, no, we're not playing Manchester, we're playing Co- uh, Coventry instead. So, um, but a good result for the Coventry players, and <clears throat> by all accounts, CJ Mott once again pulls out a stunning performance to give uh, the players two points. See, for me, I will go homer on this one for two reasons. Shock. One, it was our teddy bear toss night. And two, we didn't get shut out on our teddy bear toss night. That's impressive, fair play. It was just a good... It seemed a pretty good game all around. I wasn't there because obviously I should have been with you guys in Belfast. But... So I didn't end up going to the game. And from all accounts, what I got told, it was a really good game. So I'll definitely pick that one then. I mean, not getting a shot on a teddy bear toss. Something we can, we all agree on that you don't want. Yeah, this is absolutely true. I think the same kind of thought went through our heads when we had our teddy bear toss and the goal was scored. It was like, yep, even if we lose now, that's it. We've thrown <laughs> the teddies. Um, let's have a look. For me, my game is... I'm going homer again, boys. I'm going with the Steelers 4-1 win against the Panthers on the 27th of December. Uh, and the primary reason for me choosing that game is actually because of probably the first opening five or six minutes whereby we saw um, Robert Dowd feed into Sinyon with a few uh, a few punches. Uh, and then seconds later, after the play resumed, we saw Armstrong doing the same thing with Jordan Kelsall. Um, first time in a while that we've seen one of the Boxing Day games result in some actual boxing. So, um, a nice start to the game. Very, very different start to the game to the game the day before. Uh, Steelers came out on top at the start of the Boxing Day game with a 3-0 lead. Uh, it then became very, very close between the two teams. Um on the contrary to that, this game went the absolute opposite way, and actually it was a good period and a half before we actually saw a goal go in the back of the net. Uh, and then just like waiting for a bus, you wait 
period and a half for a goal and two come along within about 30 seconds of each other. Um, Steelers' first goal was timed at 34-39. The second goal was scored at 35-08. So we're talking, what, 20 seconds between goals? Um, So, yeah, I mean, we saw the first goal come from um, Alex Graham. Second goal came from Valorand. Um, Third goal came from Eberle. And the fourth goal came from Valorand again. And then the goal for the Panthers was scored by, let's have a look, uh, Sean Richards scoring his first pro hockey goal that free memory serves. Um, yeah, it, I mean, the game just had a bit of everything. It was a good game all the way through. I, I never really felt concerned that the Steelers were going to lose the game, so I guess that's one of the games you're more comfortable to watch but still have the excitement because uh, I felt like we controlled a lot of it. But then at the same time, you had a good, solid performance from both netminers in that game. I think Kevin Carr played very, very well for the Panthers. The first goal that actually beat him came off his leg back to the stick of Graham and then actually ended up going in off the leg of Matheson, which as a Steelers fan was quite an amusing moment. Um, the second goal was a lovely pass to the back door and a tap-in. Um, I can't really remember the third goal all that much, just because it just... just loose, loose play, Herbalay managed to get people moving, oh, yeah, that was moving across and he found the 5 all instead of it going 5 all, kind of went that way, so it was a nicely worked goal. Yeah, and then the fourth goal was an empty net goal. So, I mean, a great, a great result, a great effort from Carr, a great effort from Stanovic, an unlucky goal that Stanovic conceded. In fairness, but um, always nice if you see a player scoring the first pro hockey goal. I guess um, a few things that happened in this game again that were slightly different for me that have contributed to me picking it. The first thing is that we've finally seen another um, delay of game puck out of the trapezoid penalty called as Kevin Carr played the puck quite stupidly across the corner um, as a goalie that played part of last year I believe in the AHL I would have kind of expected slightly more than that and there was there was certainly no argument from him as soon as the penalty was called uh, but I do love that penalty and so I'm quite happy to have seen that actually being called for the first time in a while uh, the other thing that we saw is the usual rearing the ugly head of the controversial instigator penalty call which I think caused even more issues when John Armstrong was allowed out of the box and then was told to go back in the box because they'd screwed up and forgot about the 10 minute misconduct so yeah a lot a lot to enjoy out of the game um, and obviously always a bonus when your team comes out with the points as well did it rock or almost have a fight as well yeah <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was tried, um, trying to get into his head, he rubbed the cage and tried to get in under the skin. Uh, and it was hilarious seeing Rock Stanovich, who's six foot eight, look down at Tusignon like, What are you going to do, Meta? And I think it was Ellaby who just came along and said, You haven't got, you haven't got an appointment for the office, get out. Um, but yeah, Tusignon, we're trying to do something for the Panthers. Um, fair play to him in that respect. Um, it was a wasted effort but fair play tried uh, but yeah it was it was funny to see that I remember thinking when that happened like I, I always think that like with Brust Brust just isn't bothered and if he wants to go for a fight he'll just go for a fight it's not like a case of oh yeah this guy's bigger this guy's smaller it's just like Brust's just up for a fight and he'll just go at anyone and then you see Rock and to me it was just Rock was just this like massive man looking down at Tushin John like really really 
all this padding, blocker, and about an extra six inches in terms of height. Like, you really think you're going to go? Um, but yeah, no, it was that was quite amusing. The one thing I wasn't so fond on on that was watching about four video replays of the actual incident, and then hearing the commentary from AD and Murphy focusing on how Ellaby didn't get a penalty for the tackling on Toussignon. And at no point did they actually appear to call out the fact that Toussignon seemed to grab hold of the mask of of Rockstanovich, which just seemed a little bit like, okay, guys, well, are we going to comment on what actually started the whole thing? It just was seemed a, a little bit weird. It was a bit weird, given that you know, if you're going to talk about what the whole thing, you've, you've got to mention the whole passage of play. They did miss that. Um, but hey, oh, never mind. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, in fairness, we've just, we've just done another thing to bring up from that game. And I remember thinking this. The start of the season, I was really impressed with the Premier Sports coverage and the fact that actually they were adding in kind of miking up the refs and things like that. Um, I thought it really added a good element to the game. Uh, I like to hear what the refs have got to say. And, and I, I, my head goes back to that game years ago between Sheffield and Belfast where they mic'd up Tom Darnell. And that was a great insight into referees. And I think for a while it got the referees slightly more respect for what they do. Um, the one thing that I can't understand is, and I, I'll say it exactly as it is for me, Paul Lady really needs to stop talking when the referees are talking and are mic'd up because it completely detracts the point of miking up the refs if you don't listen to what they're saying when they're actually talking about a decision. No, I agree with that. Um, you actually hear other sports to say, we'll just stop and listen and then carry on the commentary. In fairness, there was a few... And I, there was a few things I felt that the commentary missed the mark on throughout, but, you know, I think we'll probably come on to it next. That may have contributed to some of it, but I don't know. It's kind of, there was a few of that one. Then again, there was a line from one of the lines, a line said by one of the linesmen marked up. It was handy that Paul Lady um, was talking over it so they didn't hear the complete expletive, which I found absolutely hilarious. Um, when he was telling, I think it was Pollock, but he was telling Pollock to hurry up. But you can imagine what was... Oh, oh I did hear that. And I'm like, did he just say that? Oh, he did say that. Pollock. Yeah. But there was... I don't know what it was, but Pollock was kind of really at the at the linesman in that period. Because there was like a fair few constant, you know, asking questions back and forth where it's not generic conversation. It was, no, I'm doing this right. No, you're, you know, you're wrong. And it was kind of... And I think linesman just gone, you know, just hurry up. Get on with it. But... Pollock does do it quite... I have noticed since he, co- he came in that Pollock does quite like to call the liners out on not following the full face-off procedure. And, like, every single time, you'll either see him complain that their foot's, like, a millimetre too far forwards, or you'll see him complaining about the fact that they've gone to drop the puck, he's gone in, and then they've not actually dropped the puck. Like, he's the one... He's one of the main players I've seen call the linesman out for it. And I think this linesman just went, nah, mate, you've done. That's it, I'm going. It was clear he got fed up. Uh, and fair play, you know. Um, it's a workplace. These things are yeah. said. Although I did hear one th- um, at a game I worked recently, Dogs and Milton Keynes, where you could hear on the bench a clear expletive and you got the, there are kids in the rink. And I'm like, no, this is a workplace for these, whether it's semi-professional or project, it's a workplace. You know, let's not. So... Yeah, I'm sure every hockey player, when they get into an altercation with someone, the first thing that they're thinking is, oh no, what if I swear and the child hears? <laughs> yeah. Think about the children. Um, I know. It's cashless gate all over again. <laughs> Let's not. Whilst... The wounds are still open. Let's not. Yeah, that's true. That is true. 
we're um, whilst we're talking about um, I was going to say whilst we're talking about Cashless Gate, then that wasn't what I was going to say. Oh, whilst we're talking about random road comments made whilst on the on the mic up commentary, um, it has to be said the other comment, which I believe was Tom Perring turning around and going, "I've got to admit, I'm too old and fat for this now." Yeah, I did hear that. I did howl. Um, I was just, I was like, "Oh, it's brilliant. That is superb." And it gives them a bit of chance to be characters because you know we see refs as these people in zebra shirts, not the Panthers jerseys, um, making decisions, and that's it. You don't get the chance to know the personality. Um, and he's probably one of those that has a bit of a personality, and having you know hearing stuff like that, I, I think it's great. More for that. Um, no, I completely agree. Well, let's let's be honest, boys, right now. I'll ask you this question. We haven't discussed this in the slightest before the podcast. Straight away, I'm going to count to three. You're both going to give your answer at the same time. Who is our favourite NHL referee? One, two, three. McCauley. Uh, McCauley. Thank you. Not even remotely like... <laughs> why do we like McCauley? That was remotely likes. like some, we didn't plan that before. I knew exactly what you were both were going to say was because McCall hilarious. Then again, one of the lines in the since cancelled world champs is who asked Santa Claus for minus 40 degrees weather? I thought was before one of the puck drops, which I thought was just brilliant. <laughs> they, they did say something the last world juniors. It was like um, stay positive, test negative, and just stuff, random lines like that. just like, yeah, love it. That just adds two of them. It's, yeah, all for it. I fully agree. You go to the flip side of that when I think there was a, a linesman in the NHL that was having an F-bomb match with, with, with one of yes. the guys in the box. That's another one that's funny to watch. They've had that with uh, Jeff Skinner as well. Say again. They've had, they've had that with Jeff Skinner as well during the Sabres game when he was, he was on the bench. He's a few F-bombs. Brilliant. And it's skated away. That's always good. Like we say, give a bit of personality to the referees. Maybe not to the extent that they admit that they called a penalty just because they wanted to call a penalty on someone, but give a bit of personality to the referees. Lines and boundaries. Lines and boundaries. Exactly. Is that like a new version of, shoot, uh, of uh, Snakes and Ladders? <laughs> I'm going to work with that. I'll, I'll get back to you next year, mate. Oh, is that actually England's failed Ashes plan? <laughs> lines and boundaries. <laughs> they couldn't even, do the li- they couldn't even do the lines right, never mind the boundaries. Oh, let's anyway, not, let's not go on about the cricket, please. No, we'll not, we'll not, we'll not. Um, moving on, we'll go on to the next thing that we've got written on the agenda. We've got us three, um, three highlights done. Uh, the next thing I've got is not uh, a happy one, gents. Uh, and unfortunately, I mean... We were we were talking about the quick turnaround in terms of of, of how everything kind of played out with with Gary Moran, the the GM for the Panthers, uh, and how everything happened so quickly. Um, and actually, what we've not even had a chance to do is discuss the initial release of the fact that the Panthers confirmed just shy of a couple of weeks ago. About three weeks ago, yeah. That Gary had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and it was early days, but I don't know if it's every intention of coming out ahead of the game. Um, just to give the background to, to Gary being in the Panthers, just so that we can fully cover that. I mean, he's, he was involved in the Panthers for over 40 years as a reporter, commentator, writer, broadcaster, and most recently as GM as well, obviously. 
Um, and during his time as the GM, the Panthers more than doubled their average attendance. And in the time that he's been there, they've won, or the, the time of GM, they've won one league championship, championship, five playoffs, eight challenge cups, one double IHF Continental Cup, and obviously most recently the Elite Series as well. So a, a huge part of the Panthers organisation for the last however long. Uh, and unfortunately, as I say, we, we didn't actually have a chance to say that. And I'm sure, well, of course, our, our comments of that at the time would have been that we, you know, all our thoughts were, were with Gary and we hope that he can pull through. Uh, unfortunately, in the meantime, there has also been the announcement that um, he's sadly since passed away. I believe it was the day after Boxing Day. Or it was yeah, the day after the 27th. Um, there was obviously some kind of memorial comments uh, made for the game against the, the Steelers on the 27th. Um, but obviously, our thoughts go to his friends and family and to the Panthers organisation. Um, and I mean, as, as particularly Dave, you and I, as Steelers fans, you, you may not have been the most liked guy in the Steelers organisation, at least. But um, I don't think anybody's going to disagree that the, the things that he did for the Panthers, um, you know, he's created mark on that club and he will always have his mark on that club I mean doubling the average attendance to a team that now regularly sell out you know yeah it's it, to us as Sheffield fans I suppose that's what, he was the pantomime villain yeah if in, in the politest way of saying that um, but he did everything and every five of him he fought for his club and he had his faults, but very similar to Sims in respect of everything he does is for Sheffield. Moran was Nottingham. Any anyway, which way you turn, he was all Nottingham. He did everything to improve uh, the Panthers' organisation. Um, and it's, it's sad because it's, as long as I've been going to ISOC, never mind sort of being a Steels fan, Moran was part of the of the fixture and fittings. He was always you, you, you hear names around different clubs and everything, and Moran's name was always there. Um, so it, I was I was very it was sad um, because it's, you know I mean, obviously I met I had one dealing with him many years ago um, when I was helping out a friend who put on a, a charity game at the NIC. Um, weren't a long sort of half an hour out. He was just very quick for dealing, but. Very polite, you know, very courteous, and you hear the stories that have come out since of, you know, if one of the comments I read is, if you saw his name, you know it weren't going to be a five-minute call, but you know you're going to have a good conversation about hockey, um, and that was said by many, many people, um, and it, it was sad. I don't know why it was sad. I must be like, as I say, Sims and Moran were definitely the uh, always against each other and there's always there's been photos I, I've got to repeat one of the Sims' tweet which I laughed and liked and I think kind of it was just, I said in a nice way where um, Gary was never going to go out on a quiet Tuesday out of season a sold out Christmas fixture against the Steelers in his own barn wouldn't have, ne- wouldn't have expected anything less and in, this, in a kind of a in a humorous moment in a very sad t- time I thought that was pretty you know it summed up their relationship but it kind of made sense of what Moran did for the Nottingham. If you, you know, in that count, in that, as a player, if you go out, he would retire on the biggest stage. And I, you know, kind of had that vibe with that. So, but definitely, like you said, Joe, 
you know, thoughts and prayers with um, his wife and his kids. Um, and, you know, we all know cancer's bloody horrible. Um, other words can and should be used to describe that disease. Um, but, you know, I, I felt that the memorial with the notes they had was well done. Um, and I, I suspect that Sheffield may do something to mark it on our first game back, well, as, as and when that may be, once we get out of uh, a protocol. Because um, I think, you know, the Sheffield-Nottingham rivalry, everyone says it's Sims, but an equal percentage was Moran. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of changing of the guard happens and what and where the rivalry goes now. You know, you've got the new the new person that will step into the role, um, with big shoes to fill. But how they take Nottingham's part of the rivalry moving forward will be interesting to see. And I'm pretty certain they'll do the memory of Moran justice. I can't see him doing anything less. Yeah, it's spot on. Uh, it's been there since '97, '98 season. That's over. Well, it's older than a lot of people that go to the games now. Over 20, what, 25 years plus? It's like a long time. I mean, I didn't start watching hockey until 95, 96. There's literally a year on. He was at the old barn and then saw the new, saw them play in the new barn, well, obviously, which is not new anymore, being open since 2000, but seen a lot of a lot of silverware in his time just as a GM I'm pretty sure that's what you want you go out there to you win championships obviously it doesn't happen as often but you still you're there from comments I've seen from all over the league pretty much it was he was actually a great guy to speak to yeah, obviously, if you two, it was, well, when I say you two, I mean Steelers, Panthers. Wasn't really going to be the greatest thing, because, I mean, when I saw Neil Russell's post, Simsy put, funny, I never got that call. Because the, he put, such very sad news where I became GM at the start. Gary was one of the first, very first people to call me and say, you'll meet your maker in this business, son, but it's the best business in the world. I'm always on the other end of the line if you need me. That was a GM to to come in and say that to someone that's, yeah, they knew the sport well, but this is the first time as as an actual GM of a club. That's great work. Hopefully, his family, his friends... They're all okay now. It's a bad thing to happen. I mean, we ourselves and probably people listening to this have probably lost members of family to cancer, which isn't a good thing. So all our respect, prayers, all that goes out to them. Yeah, it's a tough one, boys. You know, again, we talk about we don't like to talk about the sad things. We don't like to talk about the um. The negative things, you know, we we like to generally think of ourselves as being quite an upbeat, 
podcast um, when every so often, as we've said many a time, uh, certain things come up that we just can't ignore and that we, we have to say something about. And uh, this couldn't epitomise more something that we, we had to speak about um, because of the influence that he's had on the Panthers team. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, you know, and like you say, Dave, the the relationship between Moran and Simsy, I'm I'm sure they could have made a sitcom out of that relationship between Moran and and, and Simsy, and I, I I would wager good money that 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 would have decent ratings because, you know, it was quite amusing to watch at times. But you know, the the thing that interests me now is because they've they've done the little the, the memorial thing, which they had to do something, they had to speak something, and. I think the first kind of thought when it happened was that seems quite minor to say what he's done. And obviously when you actually, you realize the timescales that they've actually had to, to do something because obviously they literally, it was the morning of the game and, and you kind of think, right, okay, really nice to have done something. They had to acknowledge it. They had to do something that game. They absolutely had to. I'm now interested to see what they're going to do because they have to do something else. They have to do something else to commemorate everything that he's done for the club. And actually, it wouldn't even surprise me if, as a league, they did something towards the end of the season because of how influential a person in the league he's been. Even if that's having something like a GM added to all of the playoff shirts or something like that, obviously just because that's that's the shirt that is blanket designed you know, at the end of the season, just something to commemorate. Because, in fairness... What we don't realise is when someone does something like that for a team within the league, it does a hell of a lot for the league as well. You know, the Panthers, for a large proportion of time, before the Steelers started to up their attendance and, and, and overtook, the Panthers were in the top, I think they were the first elite league team to go in the top kind of 20 in uh, attendances in Europe or something like that. Or they were certainly the top... Top 30, but definitely the first... It was definitely British up team, there. yeah. Um... You know, I've, I've, they've brought in all the silverware, and I have no doubt that the attendance is going up. Helped them to to raise their budgets, raise the, their you know their kind of scope for getting new players. Do you know, for all we know, without the work that Gary Moran did for the Panthers, we're not seeing the likes of Cam Jansen, Brian McGratton coming to the league and raising the profile of the league because. The legwork that he's done has allowed the Panthers to get themselves to a position where that's possible. And I know that that's a long shot, and I know that that's kind of like a big tenuous link between the two. But actually, a guy that's, that's double average attendance since he's been there as GM, if their attendances hadn't doubled, they wouldn't have the budget to be bringing in the players that they brought in. And that would have a knock-on effect on the league, I guarantee you. I think I'd go a little bit further. Maybe it's worth bringing in an additional award for the end of season. An award that's yeah. done in the NHL, uh, it's the general manager of the year. And maybe something to name after, um, or have the award named after Gary Moran. Um, for his... Adams Award, but do the Gary Moran. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's Jack Adams, yeah. Um, but, you know, similar process, because, you know, like you said, you know, it, it, you've gone through the, the silverware that he brought in. He's, he broke the, the curse of 56 for the Panthers as GM. He's the first one to bring in silverware in Europe of a or GM of the team that first to bring in silverware, the first British team there. 
and everything that you know he's involved in. But you say about the, the sitcom between Sims and, and Miranda. I don't know if you remember the uh, rock star Christmas video, and the and the Sims part of it, where it was about change name, flip straight to Moran. And it would like I just sparks. I don't know why I remember. It was just the little funny things that that they both did. Um, and I know Sims in the the, the program notes that cover up to, or should have covered up to, Sunday's game. Um, he had, you know, except the, the, they were never best friends. They weren't BFFs, but they certainly had a lot of respect and admiration for what they did for their clubs. And his notes were were telling and, and was right. Um, and, yeah, it's it'll be different. And it'll be weird not seeing them and think, you know, I mean, there's photos and run over years of where he, oh, I don't know, if, I don't know when, what's he where, where he's like arguing with the fans, um, or looking glum at the plex. And I'm using them too, but there's many photos of him looking happy, watching his his Panthers team. And yeah, he's, he's going to be missed in, in the UK hockey circles. You know, some like, fans were wanting him out because he's, you know, been there that long, but it could be. I'm not saying it's because the person who took him may take him to the next level, but. You know, grass isn't always greener on the other side. And for all his faults, Moran got Nottingham to where they were. So it would be very, be very weird not seeing him in around conversations of UK hockey. Yeah, I mean, have we got anything else to add on that, gents? I think I think it's difficult to know kind of what to say at this point. Like we say, the key thing, and I'll, I'll reiterate. If we don't have anything else to say is that obviously we we really do kind of send our, our condolences and our thoughts to his friends and family. Um, obviously, a really horrendous time in particular to lose someone um, two days after Christmas. And, you know, it's, it's a big loss to British hockey, but ultimately it's uh, it's the loss of, of a family member and the loss of a friend for a lot of people too. So, um yeah, I think that'd be nice. I like that. I like the Jack Adams kind of idea, the G- a GM GM of the Year award, um, or even if it's not GM of the Year, if it's something that is the Gary Moran award, I think that that'd be a great idea. Because like we say, it's not like he's been here for a couple of years and he's just landed on his feet and got a lot going. Like I say, in terms of if we go back from when he was a reporter for the Panthers, I'm going off their article, but he's been involved with the club for over 40 years. That's that's not something that's involved with a club. That's involved with a league for 40 years in in some in some capacity. Um, so yeah, love that idea. Um, but I definitely think they need to do something. Um, have we got anything else to add on that? Are we are we good to move on from there? Yeah. So we will move on. We will try and. Um, yeah, I don't know. We will move back to. Um, What's been going on? I guess in theory, I was going to say we'll try and um, up the tempo and up the uh, up, up the kind of the tone. Moving on from that, however, uh, what I've got written down next for the next thing on the agenda is also not a uh, not a positive one, but for very very different reasons. Um, we all started this year celebrating the fact that hockey was back. We ended last season hating the fact that we couldn't end the season properly. Uh, we all sat at home watching the Elite Series, um, praying that it wouldn't be too long before we saw hockey back in person. 
and um, safe to say over the last two three weeks, it's uh, it's not been a positive one in terms of COVID. Um, I believe so. First, we saw Nottingham going to COVID protocol. Then we saw Dundee go into COVID protocol. Please um, correct me if I'm wrong while I'm going through. Um, I can't remember who was next. Was it not Belfast? Yes, it was Belfast went into COVID protocol. Then Guildford then went into COVID protocol. I think they first had a one player on COVID protocol and then they had a full team. Glasgow then confirmed that they were not having Matt Haywood go to the game with, with Sheffield because he'd been in breach of COVID protocol, which if we want to come back to, we can. I think there's been quite a lot of Twitter outrage about that, so we can always come back to that. Um, Glasgow subsequently later on ended up in COVID protocol. A long story short, I'm not going to go through the whole timeline. A long story short is that I believe Cardiff are now the only team that hasn't actually been in COVID protocol. Um, now, we spoke about COVID on the last podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago, and we were all saying that we kind of would, well, I think the general message, I don't know if we necessarily know if we were all agreed, but I think the general message was we don't necessarily think this is a time to panic. We don't necessarily think this is a time to start going, okay, well, that's the, that's the league done. Um, but it was a time for action to be done. And unfortunately, uh, since that time, we've obviously ended up with a lot more teams in COVID protocol. And I don't know, boys, I don't know if it's just because it's now the Steelers that have been affected then up to this weekend or up to Christmas, it wasn't. Just feels a little bit more bleak now. I, I, I mean, I guess, particularly when you look at the number of players that the Steelers have got in COVID protocol, I guess my kind of logic on that one in frameless on the flip side is that actually we've got, I think, 12 players currently in COVID protocol. So if they've all got COVID, then in theory, they should have some kind of natural immunity for the next couple of months. So actually, as a team, we should be okay to see out the rest of the season. But... Um, yeah, I'll throw it over to you guys. We, we, we can go into more specifics about each each kind of thing, but the basic principle about this is is COVID and rearing its ugly head yet again. I think it's, it's one of those where we spoke about it was to kick up the backside the first set. I think now it's it's a continuation of a kick up the backside, but don't just dismiss it. This is, you know, it's here. Um we still got, you know, we're still living through a pandemic. And any league, and there's, you know, different things happening in different leagues in Europe, major leagues, um, and I'll come back onto that shortly, <clears throat> all have to be very flexible. Now, what's irritated me is fans straight on social media, oh, rest in peace elite league, because we've had teams going to protocol. There has to have been, and it's, dem- it's been demonstrated, that a flexibility is required. I mentioned in the highlight where Cardiff should have been playing Manchester, flip side should have been play- now then played Coventry. Manchester on Saturday should have been playing Sheffield, now they're playing Nottingham. So there's a desire for the league to be very flexible, to go, right, okay, what can we do? If a team has to be in the protocol, what do we need to do? And they've shown that. It's not a beer league attitude, which many fans have gone straight to, and some it's just been irritating to me because it's you're talking rubbish. Um, it's, it's it's good thinking. It's doing what you can with what you've got. You know, okay, Scotland's it's a bit different because they're having to play with a maximum of 200 fans. Um, 
Wales, so the Devils are restricted. They are completely behind closed doors. Um, I don't think there's a restriction on numbers for Northern Ireland. Um, they just can't drink alcohol. They just can't drink alcohol, which in fairness, that's... Uh, well, that defeats the whole object. I agree. Um, and for whatever reason, there's no restrictions in England, um, or for now. So there's all these parts of the puzzle that the league have to understand and, and work around them. I know Dundee have, have come out with something today, was it? That, what they're doing in terms of how they're doing their 200 tickets. Um, and, you know, it's, it's you, everything's still having an impact with COVID. We've just seen the World Juniors um, start, then got cancelled. You saw tournaments um, for next month cancelled already, which we'll go into one of them in particular, I think. Uh, reading today, the Swiss League are now changing. This is one of the top leagues in Europe. You know, not a beer league. One of the top in Europe now because of the different cantons within Switzerland are different um, regulations and restrictions. Uh, they've changed to points per game to decide who where teams finish. Um, the Spengler Cup, one of the most famous tournaments, cancelled the day before because of COVID restrictions changed literally on Christmas Day by... Uh, the Davos Canton. Um, I know. I think I read Finland, the Liga, again another top league, not a beer league, are requiring government assistance because they're having to play behind closed doors. So you're seeing everyone having to be flexible because of COVID until we get through whenever the hell that is to the other side of it, and we can actually be raw comfortable with what we have and and everything. But again, that's, that's a different conversation for a different time. Uh, you know, so. In the Elite League, teams are in the protocol. So I admire, and I I think everyone really should admire the, the, the flexibility of, of teams to go, right, let's move the fixtures. Let's change it around. I read somewhere that within within an hour of it being announced, it was arranged within five hours of so. An hour of announced Sheffield in the protocol, and it's done before previous teams in the protocol, all fixture managers on a Zoom call, right, what could we do? Where can we move things around? So the speed of which they're getting around to it is impressive. When I say impressive, everyone goes, well, that should be that should be the case. Well, yes, but it's happening. It's been done. What people will call the NHL, they'll say, oh, that's what's standard. So let's go with that level of, of, of appreciation of what actually happened in the Elite League. Um, you know, teams have kind of gone, okay, like I mentioned, and, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say that people listen to the MSF podcast, but Sheffield have got the team uh, parked behind the arena, so let's let's put let's put one on the board for us. Um, the boys. Uh, the invoice for the advise, advisory uh, work will be sent. Um, so you know the, the leagues are changing. The leagues are realising that we'd like to go back to how it were. We're not there yet. So I, I, I just it's frustrating. It's disappointing. None of us would have got to seen um, the only highlight of a webcast in Manchester, apart from his own team playing. Um, you're very welcome. Well, podcast. Oh, sorry, my bad. Um, but it's the sign of the times that we're in at the moment. So long as we keep flexible, so long as we keep being prepared to change it at the last minute, go, right, actually, you're going to play this team. Get the fixtures done, and we're going to be fine. I'll say one thing. What I... And I had a bit of a discussion yesterday about it. I think, maybe too late now, that the actual protocol of what triggers a team going into it, I think should be a 
as in it's, it's part of the of the, regu- of the league rules. I think that should be something that is now a public knowledge thing. Um, so what? How many players does it trigger to go into the protocol? Now, from my understandings, and not from Sheffield, when I say I believe it's four players. So when everyone's going about Sheffield, not even going, oh well, you got your payday, and now you're in the protocol. Well, if if the team was within the rules and you could get the games on, regardless of whether it was the big fixture for the, the paydays, it could have been Cardiff Coventry, for example, if it played in front of fans, get the game on. It's one less game in the new year that's going to have to be arranged. So as long as it's done, and I believe that everything has been done above, above, above and beyond the regs and, you know, no health has been put at risk. I don't believe that that's the case, although there's been a lot of hearsay and accusation of that. And so long as that's continued, I, I just don't see, you know, again, along with the flexibility, get the games on. I think you've like hit the nail bang on there. So you, you have to be flexible. It's, times at the moment are different. None of us have ever gone through this before. Be flexible. As we mentioned before, there's a great one there to, to keep in your head. Stay positive. As soon as you straight ahead go into with the, uh, the first lesson, oh yeah, they've got COVID. during protocol now. Oh, that's illegal and understood. It's like, oh, come on. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Come on now. You're going to say Bay League, and it's like, oh, great, really? Back to this old joke again. And obviously we see Swiss National League, SM Liga, the world champs, well, junior world champs, that is, are then having the problems as well. And it's like, are you going to call that Bay League? Uh, I mean... There's the NHL at the moment with the the games that went we didn't have what how many games there's at least a, a fair few days where it's supposed to and it pushed back and back and back didn't it it was like 22nd of December through to about the 28th there were no games I was expecting it to be like yesterday yeah we had we had our first game yesterday against New Jersey it's just it's like you gonna call that Bay League. Did you win? Oh, no, no, we lost four three. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're saving ourselves for tonight's game. Don't think so. <laughs> it's people are just being ridiculous, which is unheard of, I know, but it's just silly. I I I, I applaud the actual league for. How flexible they're being, and straight away, right, let's get a call. What can we do? Where can we move? Move this, this, and this, and this. Yeah, right, perfect. So I think Nottingham should have had a day off on New Year's Day because they weren't supposed to play until the day after. And then they've gone, right, we'll postpone that one, move it. Got that one, done and dusted. It's not going to cost them too much because. Nottingham's an hour and 50 minutes away from the motorway. Perfect. 
Okay, let's see what other teams can we move. Oh, yeah, so Coventry, you've got a game. Dundee are coming up from Guildford. Or Cardiff. And it's like, great. Actually, no, they're playing Belfast tomorrow. So they're coming across in Belfast. Like, yeah, they can just go to East Midlands, go across there, they're undusted. Unless if they're having to... It's... It's great work by the actual league themselves. Go, yeah, we'll move all use. And Joe, I believe Coventry as well haven't had the new COVID protocol yet. Oh, okay. And they're the only I, two I teams. I thought they had. Looking on the news, they're the only Cardiff and Coventry that have. Unless they just got lucky that teams they were playing were ones yep. that were cancelled. Yeah, that's where it seems. Right. So. Maybe that should be the Challenge Cup. As a, you haven't got COVID, there you go. The COVID Cup final, where you just play the two teams that haven't had any and see who wins. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's one of those, isn't it? We, uh, yeah, I, think, I think you've hit the nail on the head perfectly as well there. You, you've said about the fact that as soon as you get that negative news, everybody jumps straight on with the, oh, is this the point where the league's over and done with? And you think, no, we've spoken about this before. We've spoken about the fact that we need to start living with it. And do you know what? I, I think we've actually made good ground in that. And I think if we're going to talk about anybody making good ground in that, the first teams that have to step up and hold their hands up as the pioneers for that, I guess we call Coven- Cardiff Sheffield in making the decision to, to play that fixture when Sheffield should have been in Belfast and Cardiff should have been playing Fife, maybe? Dundee? Manchester? Manchester? Someone. Whoever it was. <laughs> I believe they were the first teams to rearrange games to get a game played. And that's the key thing that we've got to, that we've got to focus on here. You can call it beer league. You can criticise the league as much as you want. Teams being willing and, and to move games, and we'll come back to the to potentially missing out on a day off. Just generically, teams being willing to go, oh, we should have played these. These haven't got COVID. They should have also been playing a team that's now in COVID protocol. Let's get that game done. So later on in this the year, we're not all trying to scramble in fixtures. It's great forward thinking, and I think that's a great foundation for the league to start tackling COVID moving forward. We've said before it's not going to go away. It's not It's not going to go away. We know that. We don't expect it to just wake up one day and hear Boris Johnson making an announcement that COVID's decided to just disappear. We know it's not going away. And we said before that actually what we've done is we've taken for granted the fact that we've got the league back this year, for me. And I'll, I, I could say that from a Sheffield perspective just from what I've seen. But you see the fans outside Entrance B waiting for the, the players to come in. You see the 50-15 shirt off your back raffles. You hear about the people that go down into the players' lounge and the, uh, the sponsors' lounge, or we have a sponsors' night, or whatever else. And I'm not slating the Steelers, because I believe most teams have been the exact same. But actually, when you take a step back, you think, do you know what, we're, this isn't normal. And we're still finding his feet in what's going on. And maybe we need to start restricting. You see the numbers go up. How do we know? For all we know... What, the three players that initially got COVID in the Steelers camp, Bruss, Valdick, Soitu, 
all could have got COVID from interactions with fans outside before they walked into the arena. They then go into the changing room. They then pass that on to another nine players in the changing room. All of a sudden, Sheffield have got 12 players on COVID protocol. We've got to start being smarter. And to me, this is the way you can call. I now have no concern about whether the league's going to carry on. I don't know what you guys think. I don't have that concern anymore because I think if the league was going to turn around and say if the league's done, we'd have heard that by now. I think that you'd have had that messed the bed type reaction of, right, yeah. that's it. So we haven't. And I'm, I'm with you on that one, Joe. I don't think, I, I have no fear of it. Unless we have ridiculous rising case numbers and further restrictions, um, I yeah. think, yeah, I'm real. I think we'll get through. That's the thing, it's, it's just about deciding. I mean, Car- Cardiff straight away, and, I, and again, I, we've always said this, kudos to Cardiff in terms of the way they dealt with the PR on that one, uh, coming straight out and saying, you know, we fully intend to, to move forwards behind closed doors. We will seek all the help that we can get from the government, but we intend to see the season out. And do you know what? You can look at that cynically and go, that's because they think they've got a chance at the league. Would they do that if there were a few more places down? Does it matter? doesn't matter. They've told the fans exactly what the situation is. They've confirmed they'll still be going forwards. And that's the key thing. And I think we've talked about this COVID protocol as a whole. Dave, you were saying about the fact we think it needs to be made more public. We need to actually know what this COVID protocol is. And I can't see any reason why the league haven't already come out and said four players on COVID protocol means the team and protocol can't play games. I think it just helps the fans. It just gives that understanding. Mm. I just can't see any reason why we haven't done that yet. That's what I just can't understand. I can't work out. There's no fathomable reason to not say it. And that's what I don't get. Like, why would you not just go out straight away and say, right, just to clarify, we've to- talked about COVID protocol. COVID protocol is going to be X, Y, and Z. These are what the teams need to do. Job done. You're always going to get, and I apologise if this sounds derogatory, but you're always going to get a certain mentality from a certain cohort of people who pull the inferiority complex card by going, oh, it's two arena teams that have just played over a weekend and now one of the teams end up in COVID protocol. Would that have happened if it was Manchester Dundee? Well, yeah, probably. It's bad timing. It's unfortunate. Let's not make this about politics. Let's not make it about, oh, well, the big teams are getting the payouts. You know, as far as we've been told, the information that is out there, as far as the Steelers go, three players. So it's actually Andreas Valdix tested positive, and this was from the interview with Fox, I believe, with Pete Spencer. Andreas Valdix tested positive for COVID. They got the results back during the game on Boxing Day. The players came straight off the ice. All did lateral flow tests. Two further players tested positive on the lateral flow test and were waiting for PCR results. Those two players were signed to and brust. Signed to and brust weren't even at the arena that day because signed to and brust had said that they fell ill and so didn't even attend the arena. Hence, not actually putting any of the players in the changing room at any further risk if the game was played. So, if we're going to start calling it out, if we're going to start saying, oh, well, the game shouldn't have gone ahead, then let's get the facts straight. Because as far as the facts are, there are three players in COVID protocol. 
at the time that the puck dropped and at the time that the final whistle went on the 27th of December when the Panthers played Steelers. And actually, I think you'll ha- you'll find quite easily, if that wasn't the case, the Steelers would have pulled out in the game on the 27th. The Steelers were the team that had COVID. The Steelers had already had their payday out on Boxing Day. Did the Steelers want to see the Panthers getting a, a payday? Do we care? No. If we were, if we had, if we were under COVID protocol and we were not saying because we wanted the game to go ahead so that we got the revenue out of it, we'd have done Boxing Day, gone out in the media, said, "Oh, two players have tested positive," and on the morning of the 27th, we'd have gone. Sorry, guys, can't play. COVID protocols beckoning. So it's the, just again, it's the say it's the inferiority complex of I don't support an arena team, so I'm going to pin this on the fact it's about arena teams and not actually just about COVID. I, I'm not supposed. I agree Sorry. with that, Joe, and but I, I'd go a little bit further. And I think it's, and we've seen it time and time and time again over the years. Because you're wearing orange. Going back to when me and Gress start watching it, it's, it's the Steelers. And there is that, whether it's inferior, whether it's whatever it is to people, it's, it's them, must, there must be breaking the rules. One rule for them, one for all for the other. You know, I mean, it's, I think it's just hockey fans, we're, we're too cynical. I think as, as, a, as a, I'm going to say as a breed of, of, of sports fan, we're just very cynical. Now, yeah, you could blame over the years of people, you know, destroying the trust and all, blah, 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 blah. You, you've got to kind of break the circle on that. But hockey fans in the UK, I know many of them and many of them are good people. I know many of them many of them are good people. But across both sections, the cynicalism is there and I think that's half the problem. You know, Sheffield put a PR, sky's blue. You know damn well someone's going, no, it's purple. Someone else going, no, actually, I think you'll find it's a shade of red. That's my, you know, and you're going to get down the rabbit holes that, you know, social media gives us. are available. Of course. And it's just, you know. Pete, Andy, because uh, he's not here. Obviously, yeah, uh, that's Andy's uh, line. But you're right, in terms of, you know, Nottingham's payday is irrelevant to any other club apart from Nottingham. And, you know, bluntly about it. Yeah, we want them to do as well as us, and, and we want Manchester to do well, and hopefully they get their payday with their Winter Classic on, on Saturday. You know, it's, it is of an interest to teams to do well, but in the grand scheme of things, down the line, not to do, you know, don't care. It, our, each team would be bothered about their payday. So Glasgow, if they weren't under restriction, would have been bothered about their Hogwarts day. Fife the same. Guildford the same. Belfast, you know, every team would have been... I was bothered about their payday, and it's not to do with anybody else. We want to see teams well, but that's different. So I, it's just it's that one of the horrible sides of uh, hockey fandom. It's just, it is it's ugly head every time. We slate social media; it all comes off the same thing. Let's be edgy and get likes. Let's be edgy, get likes, and complain about the fact that I feel inferior for not maybe supporting. Maybe we should do a t-shirt for that. Maybe, should we should, we t- maybe we should do a t-shirt with that phrase. What? For, for, for a laugh at the, if we do the playoff weekend. 
about being edgy for the likes. It's, it's just it is that's that's exactly the problem for me, and it's like we say, oh, everybody's complaining. Oh, it wasn't taken serious enough. Well, no, I, I disagree, and I, I know it sounds contrary to what I've said. I'm not saying that it wasn't taken serious enough. I think it was just a case that we just got a bit too comfortable, and we just started to think, oh, this is all right, boys. You know, we've got hockey back. Let's go back to normal. Every single person involved in this, from a league capacity, is still learning about the best way to run the league under COVID. That's exactly the same as Gary Bettman in the NHL. That's exactly the same as the KHL, the SHL, the DEL, the, the Liga, any top league that you can list. Their commissioner, their player association, or whatever board it is that makes a decision, are still under the exact same proviso as everybody else. This is new. This is the first season that we're running this properly. A full, full-blown, scale season under COVID. No, we've never done it before. So it's, it's not a case that hasn't been taken seriously. It isn't a case that we're a beer league. And anybody who's saying the league should just carry on as normal, just, just maybe delete your social media accounts. It's just one of those things. It... And um, you know, I, I just I just feel like what we should be doing now is clubbing together, thinking about actually how can we keep hockey going. And yet again, as the nature of the social media is stepping in and going, actually no, hold my bear, I'm gonna make fans fight against fans and argue with each other about whether or not yeah, they think we should wear masks, whether or not they think that we should have a jab, whether or not we should have COVID passports, whether or not we think wearing a mask throughout the game is a feasible thing to do and a valuable thing to do. What we should be doing now, and if you're not doing this already, sit down and think about it after you've listened to this podcast. What can we do to keep hockey running until the end of the year? That's it. That's the only question that we need to ask. And as far as I'm concerned, rearranging fixtures so that we get games played, putting teams in the COVID protocol that have at least four players infected and confirmed, removing any final contact for the time being, it's all necessary stuff. It's not rocket science. Could we do more? Probably. Are we still finding out what that more is? Absolutely. It's yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know what to make of it. I just think it's a bit. It's all up in the air, and I think this you get your usual cohort, and there is a usual cohort, and anybody who's on social media will have a list of names in the back of their head who they know to leave, keep an eye out. The tweets coming out, Facebook posts coming out, slating off certain teams, slating off certain organisations, slating off certain individuals, and pinning all the blame on them. And that's exactly what's gone on now. What we should be doing is going, eight out of ten teams have been on COVID protocol. What can we do to protect that and get to the end of this season? I'm surprised Paul Thompson hasn't been blamed for it so far. He's still stuck in his revolving door for some time. Oh, right, OK. Was it not a bus? 
No, he, he well, the revolving door threw him out under a bus, and the bus ran over him. Never mind. Never mind. You are spot on there, Joe. I mean, especially considering probably 80% of these people were probably tweeting before the Elite Series and then during the Elite Series and afterwards. Oh, I can't wait to get into that ice rink. Can't wait to see my team play. It's like, are you sure about that? Yeah. With these new tweets, are you really sure about that? Madness. madness. No, the pair you're absolutely spot on with, and it's, again, we've said this over many times on the 83 episodes of this podcast, is before you press enter, before you press enter, just think. Use a percentage, not even half a percent of the brain cell capacity you have. Do you really need to say it? Are you that desperate for the likes and the retweets? Are you that desperate to be known as the edgy one, the, the oracle? Delete it. If you don't need to, delete it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like there's much more to say on the topic as a whole, gents. I feel like it might be time to delve into a couple of specifics and then see where we go from there unless anybody's got anything to add us on, on a whole. Now there's one specific where I'm looking forward to delving because I think, sadly I think the IHF have dropped the ball big time. I was just about to say that and I was just about to say why don't you give us the synopsis mate so I'll throw it over to you for that. So, before the start of the current when I say current that what should have been the current World Junior Championships, and Gref, if I've got the time schedule on, please remind me. They'd announced that all tournaments, WHF, starting in January, were to be cancelled because of COVID protocols, just as the World Juniors was about to start. What that meant was that the women's under-18s, and a couple of the men's junior tournaments as well, for the lower down, um, the World Juniors, so 1A, 1B, and so on and so forth, but the women's had yet again been cancelled. Yep. So a, a perception was given that the boys can play. Fine, no problem. Crack on, guys. Women play? No, you're not allowed. Now, for me, as a fan of the game of hockey, and we love using the phrase, we grow the game. That's... You know, some different sports use that, and it's a complete load of rubbish, but that's, a, again, another conversation for another day. But if we're going to grow the game, give the women the platform they deserve. If it means moving the tournaments somewhere else, so that, so for example, I think the women's was meant to be in Sweden. Uh, Jan Schipping and Mjölby, I think, um, my Correct. guesswork. Ah, oh, I'll take that one. Um, so, if, and obviously, if there is a cost factor to have the tournament to allow the protocols, the relevant protocols, to be adhered to. Fine, not a problem. But we have associations that are able to do this. So let's, you know, if we need to move tournaments around, let's do it. I know USA Hockey have, have said we can host it, and I think actually I think it's Buffalo have a couple of rinks very close by where they could actually do it. It's very similar to Latvia with the World Champs um, this May. Harbour Centre. 
Yeah, I know um, Hockey Canada have said the, the very same thing, and they're two organisations that can go, we can cover the cost, we can bring the revenue in through sponsorship and whatnot that will cover this cost. Because as for, if anybody doesn't know, for IIHF tournaments, club or country, the cost that's occurred as soon as a team has landed on your in your country, on your soil, you cover. The teams that come in don't. So they cover the cost of flying in and out, but as soon as you land in that country, that host country covers the cost. So, yeah, Sweden may not have been able to cover it at a a good loss, for want of a better phrase, to, on the books for under-18 women's. So give them a chance another, another year when we hang up these restrictions, give it to a country that can do it and cover the costs, and give these girls the platform they deserve. It's not just that they, you know, it's, it's, they, they deserve this. And for two years, you've had girls for different countries give everything to make the roster. And for, for decision-makers to go, you're not allowed to play. Blame COVID. Let's be flexible. Let's be smart. I think you know, the word for 21-22 is flexibility. And if we need to move stuff, let's move stuff. Whether it's at club level or international, work together to give players at each level, whether it's the very top level, the juniors or seniors, down 1A onwards, whether it's male or female, give these guys and girls the opportunity and the right to represent their country. That they've worked damn hard to get the call. So I, I just feel that double IHF really dropped the ball and just cancelling it. Kind of, yeah, okay, fine, don't care. What they should have said is, right, these, these aren't happening now. Before we've announced this to the public, we've actually discussed with all the countries for two or three days. And we are in discussions of moving these tournaments very shortly in the future, so maybe three, four, five months. But we will, we commit to having these tournaments take place. That's what should have been done. Instead, the IHF allowed them to have the perception, and a perception that was fair, I've gone, the guys can play, the girls can't. And then it goes back on when they do the great work where they have the Women's Day, the International Women's Day, where it has around the world, what kind of makes that null and void? So, you know, double IHF must do better. Been spot on with that ending. They must do better. The news came out, it was uh, Christmas Eve, the news came out. It was the under-20 men's Division 2 Group B that was in Serbia. Division 3 that was in Mexico for the under-20 men's. But then, obviously, under-18s Women World Championships that was in Sweden that got cancelled. Women's World Championships Division 1 Group A that was in Hungary cancelled. Under-18s Women's World Championship Group B Division 1 in Austria, cancelled. And the Under-18 Women's World Championship Division 3 in Turkey. That was at the end of January, cancelled. That, yeah, as soon as you see that, you're thinking, well, minute, that's two years now that people have pretty much busted their asses off to make that team. They already, it already made it sound like, yeah, we're not going to make any money off this. 
So we're going to cancel them. But now think of it this way. Next year, if it goes ahead, they're going to have players that probably never even played together. Especially in the lower divisions, like Division 3. They'll either not play together, hardly played, because their country doesn't have as many rinks, for an example, or they're just not going to look right for a spectator sport to for a say for a, a young a young girl watching the watching the game. It's free on YouTube, so they're watching it because their their brother's watching it or their dad's watching it or their uncle, whatever. They're not going to go. You know what? I can actually see myself playing that. Can we get some hockey kit? Like. It's not going to work. They're just going to go, oh, that. Yeah, okay. I'm going outside. Or I'm going to play on a PlayStation or Xbox. Other consoles are available before you see it, Joe. But it's like, yeah, it just doesn't sit well. And the, the statement that came out after Canada, USA... I said, yeah, we can actually host this for you. Even Finland came out and mentioned it. And then the statement comes out, it's not a gender issue. It's like, really? That's your first line? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Fifth sentence, or fifth word in the in the paragraph. It's not a gender issue. It's like, see, now you've said that, you're really not putting the thoughts of people's minds of, okay, it's not a gender issue. It's like, really? Come on now. It's not really going to grow the game. You're not going to have your next uh, Hayley Wickenizer, Team Canada, one of the greatest for them. Uh, Hillary Knight for Team USA, one of the greatest. Uh, uh, Finnish goaler. I, her name's gone out of my head, but she's one of the greats as well. And it's like, come on, you you don't get these type of players that are well known in their country and making idols for girls to be playing in the sport. Imagine it's like imagine if the if FIFA, for example, did that for the women's game. It's like. There'd be an up, up, another uproar. It's ridiculous. We're all about equal rights and all that. And it's like, come on. Let them play. They've worked their backsides off. They've proved their worth. Give them the ice time. Give them the chance to prove it. I don't... Yeah, I... There's a lot of words you could say for this. It's not PC friendly. We'll let Captain Ding Dong say it all. You're on mute, Joe. I have no idea how I ended up on mute there. Um. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. We um. 
you hit the nail on the head there. It's, 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 a, it's another tough one to discuss, to be fair, boys, because we, we, we talk about, you know, the, the ways that the, the games move forwards, the ways the games improve, the ways that, you know, as a, as a, a league for ourselves that we're stepping up, but, that you know, you see a lot of changes across the board in terms of the sport. And then this happens, and, you know, it happened a couple of months ago where it was a double IHF tournament where the guys were given a Tissot watch as their Man of the Match award, and the, uh, the, the females were given hair straighteners, which was about the biggest gender stereotype you could have given and then you get this, and, and Gref, like you said, the this is not a gender issue. You kind of sit there and think, well, what is it? Uh, so I'll read, I'll, I'll read out the statement from the IHF president, Luke Tardif. Um, this is not a gender issue. This is a COVID-19 issue. I would ask in turn how it is fair to postpone all the time the top divisions and always to simply cancel the lower divisions. These cancellations have affected six tournaments, not just one including two men's under-20s events that critics seem to conveniently forget. In a normal season, we are not cancelling anything. The IIHF is not in the business of cancelling tournaments. We are here to play tournaments. But we are battling circumstances that are out of our control, and to be perfectly honest, we have to think of the future too. Is there an economic incentive to host the Men's World Championship and World Juniors every year, no matter what? Absolutely. But people misunderstand that this is because we favour men's hockey over women's, which is completely false. The revenue generated from these two events enables our federation to survive and support the operation of all of the IIHF World Championship events. So if I have to make every effort to host a specific tournament to ensure the survival of other events, then this is my responsibility as the IIHF president to do this. The IIHF has run a women's hockey programme since 1990 and was instrumental in the integration of women's hockey into the Olympic programme in 1992. Our women's championship programme has grown up to encompass over 12 women's senior and under-18 tournaments and include the participation of 44 of our 82 member national associations. Our commitment to women's hockey is long-standing, legitimate and substantial. I and the new IIHF Council believe in women's hockey. We are committed to investing in women's hockey now and in the future. We empathise with the players and fans of the game, and we look forward to returning to a full championship programme. What a load of rubbish. What a load of fabricated crap to try and cover up the fact that they've decided to keep a men's tournament going and stop a women's tournament from going. Now, he's absolutely right. This is a COVID-19 issue. But I didn't realise that COVID-19 was particularly more prominent in women than men. Because if you're letting any men's tournament go ahead and no women's tournament go ahead, that's just become a gender issue. And you can put statements out to say it isn't as much as you want. And it's just frustrating. And again, we talk about the way that the sport's progressing we talk about X, Y, and Z positives that we've seen. And then you get this and you just think, you know what? This epitomizes a lot of the issues that we have now in the East. Let's prioritize certain cohorts, certain aspects, and bin off the best 
that's all fine and good. You can absolutely say, why is it fair to postpone the top levels and cancel the lower levels? Absolutely fine. No problems. No arguments. That doesn't mean it's not a gender issue. And actually, it's far from the same thing to say it's unfair to cancel lower leagues but keep higher leagues in the same breath that you're talking about cancelling women's leagues but not men's leagues. Those two are a hell of a lot more significant. I just think, again, like you guys said, double IHF needs to be better, which isn't the first time we've said that. And... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to draw a line under this one, gents, if you are. I think yeah. we could go down a rabbit hole on this. The ultimate end result for us is I don't think any of us agree with the decision. I think all of us agree that it's ridiculous and that, you know, it's all to, to do with cancelling the women. I don't know. We, we talk about the old, club, old boys club in Sheffield and in the league as a whole. Um, we've never really talked about it in the double IHF and this has a serious old boys club feel to it we have to keep the top end of the world champs going oh women's nah nah people are bothered about that don't worry about that I'll just say one thing in terms of the logic of well they make the money in the world senior world's top level and the junior's top level does make money but if you have it in the right place the top level world women's is as financially viable and crowds you've seen, and it is predominantly North America, but crowds predominantly go out and watch these games. And I mean, we've watched USA, Canada at the Olympic finals. I mean, the GB Olympic qualifiers. Do you know what? There's some skilled ladies who play the game. You know, why would you private? I don't know. Anything else to add on that, Griff? No, I haven't. The other COVID changes, I mean, the main two for me are the Olympics will not be allowing NHL players. And I forgot the third. So carry on with this one. I'll come back to the third when I remember it. Yeah, it's a shame. I'm not surprised. Given the quarantine rules of China. Um, I did see Brad Marchant's uh, comments about it and I felt I felt ill. Because I saw a comment from Brad Marchant and I agreed with it. I don't like that. It's like us back in storm in the predictions. Just don't like it. It just shouldn't happen. It's not natural. Um, but yeah, I can I, I, I can see from the, the league's perspective that they like no, no, we don't want to lose our players in case they pick up uh, COVID. <clears throat> Flip side, you know, should the players have the opportunity and if they go and they are, they sadly pick up COVID. Um, you would lose pay and give them the choice. Um, it's, it's, it's a one. It's, we've said it a few times on this pod. It's one of the top levels to play um, the game. So it just feels like could could there have been a way around it to allow them to go on their own risk? I don't know. Um, it's a shame, but like, it's one thing I expected to see. I think that's the problem, isn't it? It's the expectation. It's not like you look at it and go, oh my God, I can't believe he's done this. You look at it and go, there it is. It just, just makes it all that more disappointing. Kind of knew something like that was going to happen. Yeah. I I don't 
I don't agree with it. Like it. Uh, I think that what should have happened is that the NHLPA should have said to the players, this is the situation. If you get COVID whilst you're out there, you'll not be paid and it's your own fault and it's your own issue. Because for me, there are a number of players on those teams. Firstly, older players who this, for whom this might be the last chance for them to actually go to the Olympics. Um, you know, your alternative is younger players who this might have just been their first chance to break onto a squad. Uh, and to me, both of those cohorts of players should have been given the opportunity and the chance to make the decision for themselves. I certainly agree with that one. It's like, are we really going to see the likes of Ovechkin, Crosby? In the next Olympics, when that comes around, the Winter Olympics, probably not. Always probably broken a record that's been there for a good while, and then retired. Crosby is probably you're gonna want to hope he's won you another Stanley Cup. I hope so. <laughs> it's and then you obviously you'll get players like up and coming like a well. Menneth is like what I'll name but Dylan Cousins for us and Owen Power. Uh, for you guys, what Jakey G? Jakey G. He, he's probably one of your players that probably could play for his national team. He got Barzell. Got many youngsters coming through. Even well, I don't know, obviously younger players that are still in the league that have already hit it big. For example, Matt David <laughs> and McKinnon and Makar. It's yeah, you should just give them the option. Like it, like Dave said, it felt a bit wrong to agree with Brad Marchand, but then the past what two years have shown us that. People you don't necessarily agree with, you're like, actually, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Makes you sit back even more and go, ah. Oh. I feel horrible. I need to go have a shower. You're like, different times. That's it, yeah. The upside of boys is maybe China won't get quite as ravaged as they were going to do if they've got an HL players playing against them. Still expect double figures. Oh yeah, without oh yeah, without a doubt. So well, anything else I'd on that one, boys? Last thing I think we've got in terms of COVID is the um situation with Matt Haywood. As far as we know he went to a this is this is a, all on Twitter. As far as we know he went to a wedding, told the club that he was going to start a wedding. Went to said wedding, came back, tested positive, made a case to the club to say I wasn't supposed to, you know, I told you that I was going, I was safe, blah, blah, blah. Club suspended him for being in breach of COVID protocol. Seems a bit of a harsh reaction, but the club just put him in COVID protocol just to be safe. But, yeah. He tested negative before the wedding and after the wedding. Um, and the ironic thing is he would have had his 600th game 
in it at or against his hometown team. Um, and they made a bit of it. It was actually quite amusing that they made a bit of a sing-song about it, that he was expected to play 600 against Sheffield, and then um, it did happen. Now, the only thing that no one is aware of, either through the statement or from the accounts of the, the incident through t- in Twitter, is if the club said, we, d- we thank you for telling us, but we don't want you to go. So that's yeah. the grey area that is probably should be resolved. So then people go, okay, this makes sense, or, or not. Um, I also felt that the, the statement that the race was a bit a bit sharp. They could have easily just said he's unavailable. Um, precaution measures. They could, they, could have, they could have softened the blow. I just felt that there were... There's, there's ways and means of, of delivering the message, and I felt that for someone who's represented the clan, and it's not an excuse if he has broken their protocols. But given that what information has come out afterwards, maybe something should have been just a bit more smoother to deliver the message. Um, mm. I just felt that, um, I said, my apologies, Glasgow, you know, they, they used a, a sledgehammer for a, a two millimetre nail. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when it came out, you were like, oh, God, what's actually happened here? He's not normally somebody you would have thought would have been breaking rules. And then, obviously, it came out, and then you're like, oh, is that really it? Clan left a key, what was it, like a keyboard warrior style to actually do their post for them. Just didn't, yeah. I, I doubt we'll ever find, like, the full story of all. Like, what their rules were and everything that went on between each other. Just, yeah. Kind of like making a big deal out of something that wasn't really a big deal. Should have been kept in-house. Should have been. Hayward, Cowboy isn't play isn't in the roster today due to reasonings with the club. Sorted. Between club and player. And that's it. All you need to say. Yeah, people will be going out of their way because that they always are on Twitter with their conspiracy theories. But that way you can't, you're not really, throw, you're not technically throwing a guy under a bus. You're not doing the Paul Thompson. I just don't understand this one. Like you say, they, they, they could have easily gone out and said, he's just not playing. Leave it at that. They don't need to say he's breached COVID protocol. They don't need to give any details. They just needed to say the clan regretfully have to confirm that Matt Haywood will not be travelling to Sheffield and further information will be released as and when needed. Done. It's not like he's a Yeah. This is the thing, it's, it's just 
just mind-boggling. And, and they, like you said, he's due to play his 600th game or whatever, and he's been at Brayhead and Glasgow since they started as a team. He's, he's got his testimonial lined up shortly, I believe, if not already. Um, and you just think all of that to then go, he went to a wedding that he told us about, so let's throw him under the bus. I just, I don't really have anything more to say than just that. Um, have we got anything else to add on Haywood? <laughs> Sound. Have we got anything else to add on COVID? Oh. Sound. So, we're going to now actually raise the tone a little bit more. We're going to go with highlights of the 21-22 season. So far. Oh, sorry. Of 21. Sorry. I went into uh, end of season mode, then not end of year. Highlights of 2021. You're on mute, Dave. No, I'm not now. Um, how many are we allowed? Are we going one or are we going to go three? I'll leave it up to you, gents. What do you do? I think me and you have probably got one of the very same. Hmm. Let's go three. I'll go three. Here we go. One, one, one. One, one, one. Yeah. Dave, kick us off, mate. Um, so I think I know one of Gress, because we've been I'll mention the other one. Um, a GB player being the top or joint top goal scorer at the World Championships um, for the first time probably ever. Or for if, if it happened not a long, long time ago in Liam Kirk. Um, that was great to see. Um, you know, it was you know, especially a South Yorkshire lad. Um, that was that was one of the highlights for me. Yeah, uh, I do have something written about Kirky Down. Wasn't that though? It was actually the first British or well, first English-born trained player getting an NHL contract. Something you don't see in our sport, really, for an English kid that's gone through our junior system. It's brilliant. Mm. I'm going to go with um, slightly different. Firstly, nothing to do with Liam Kirk. Um, It's to do with European tournament um, on a similar line in terms of Brit development. Great to see Alex Graham getting more ice time for the Steelers, particularly across the Conti Cup, and actually scoring and partaking in one of the wins for the Steelers. Um, so I'll... I'm going to go the Elite Series. To have that week, full week of PL of hockey every day... Um, near enough to done it every day. It was great. It was just great to have it back. Um, well put together. Um, and obviously it allowed the, the, the British guys a chance to um, warm up for the World Championships. But it also gave that platform for British players, um, goalers and outskaters that may not have had a chance normally. Um, you know, from a Sheffield perspective, you had Churchfield and Warburton. Uh, that save Warburton made uh, against Coventry, I want to say. Um, was it against you guys? Yep. 
uh, either ben, way. Rob, ben, ben Lake. Yeah. You know, just outstanding. So, you know, and there was different, you know, curling, um, had the opportunity to work with Bounds and Whistle at Nottingham. And other British players had the chance, you know, to get that chance to work with these imports who, you know, some good imports that went, came across for it. Um, so, yeah, um, I liked it. That was one of my highlights. Uh, one that we probably both had down. GB's first win in regulation at top flight hockey against Belarus. That's definitely a highlight from most people, I, I assume. Seeing that happen, it's like, that's, that's amazing. We've gone from just... Men, just managing to stay in the top flight unlucky France to, to winning a game and almost winning two games the OT yeah. loss against Denmark that was, that was my one of the highlights uh, surprisingly not surprisingly I'm going back with a British player again uh, for me Highlights to see um, British player like Scott Conway come back into the league and absolutely light up the league so far, scoring multiple, many multiple goal games. Uh, just absolutely, absolutely smashing it, and it's a great sign for the development of British hockey. My my final one is is away from UK and Europe. Um, and I say it as a highlight, um, even though it didn't deliver the, the end prize, but um, so it's the run of the Islanders, but it's the, the final games at the Coliseum um, and the atmosphere, the members of the atmosphere that the last few games had um, was something that was, as an Islanders fan, um, but I can imagine team, you know, fans of other teams when they move buildings would have that same thing, but just the atmosphere, especially that last game, that we, the, the roof came off when the OT in Game 6, although okay, the cans were thrown on, but just the atmosphere was just incredible. And it just as a memory to leave the building, that was well, that was a highlight for me. Um, again, didn't give the great the, the end result. We didn't get to the final, not win the cup, but small crumb of comfort was, was that memory um, of them final games. See, for me, it's more... Actually, more... Us... I'd say. Because being able to go out of the country and watch hockey. Normally, I say, we go to GB events, GB tournaments, where we've actually been able to go out. You guys, obviously, technically go out of England to go over to Belfast. It's, that, that, that was just brilliant to me. It's like, yeah, it's not my team and Unfortunately, you guys didn't make it to the final, but that whole trip was it was brilliant. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. For me, last one has to be um, just getting to a point in a league when we're making signings to the point where, for the first time ever, I can look at the rosters and say, I would take 
any of those 10 netminders in an orange jersey next year. And I know we've said this before, and I, it might seem like a minor point, but when you're looking at scorelines like Coventry beating Cardiff, Guildford beating Nottingham, you know, and you see them, and every single day you're seeing different results. Nottingham going to a shootout with Coventry. And a lot of that, for me, and a lot of the closeness in the league and a lot of the shifting round in terms of positions in the league comes down to the quality of netminder that we have signed this year across all 10 teams. And like I've said before, I haven't ever before said I would have any of these 10 netminders that are in this league wearing orange next year. So that's my highlight. Anything else to add? So, uh, a wish list for 2022. That's the next thing on the Fair enough. My apologies. Don't jump the gun. I'm going to say. I thought you were going to answer something else, but my apologies. Be yourself, bro. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, next on the agenda, as, uh, as I'm sure you'll be shocked and amazed to find out, is a wish list for 2022. Um, Surprised. Yeah. Off your pop, boys. I know. We hope you can pick your jaw up off the floor in time to hear our answers. Yeah. Uh, also, apparently, your jaw being on the means you can't listen. We understand <laughs> what you're trying to say. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Good job, someone does. A wish list, uh, well, it involves us three anyway. All Stars goes ahead. Yes. Oh. We have missed that so much. Oh. There's elements I've not missed, I'm not going to lie. Um... But the weekend, I've, I've missed. Uh, for me, similarly involving Cardiff, uh, I want another Challenge Cup final down in Cardiff for the Steelers. Because that was awesome. I've got to go with it, um, but it's... Said many times, and we'll bang the drum. Not in Nottingham, of course. Um, let's 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 think about what we say on social media when we're, <laughs> when we're talking about clubs, when we're talking about events, when we're talking about players. Um, you know, I, we we can do better. You know, the problem is, like I think Joe said earlier on, you know when something happens, you know the people that's going to start saying stuff, and you know they'll be there, and you just, you know, let's, let's, let's ditch the edgy crap. Let's, let's, let's put that in the bin. Let's just be better. There's ways of being smart. There's ways of being sarcastic. There's ways of having good humoured banter. We're not seeing it, so can we be better, please? That's my wish for next year. Are we doing another two, or are we leaving it just at one? So I've got one more, which is just basically I can go to Finland. Yeah. The GB. <laughs> to go to Tampere. And I'll add to that then. I hope we stay up. And uh, head to I'm... St. Petersburg the year after. I mean, I feel like the obvious one, boys, that we haven't said is just that we can finish the league. <laughs> like... True. 
I just just want us to finish the league and just get through the next couple of weeks in particular where teams are going to be coming out of COVID protocol and know that by end of March, start of April time, we're going to have a league winner. Is this so you can go fishing as well, Joe? Maybe. As if Joseph would go fishing. No comment. Um, have we got anything else to add on the wish lists, boys? I am seeing shaking heads. So, that brings us to the final part of the agenda in the final episode of the year. Uh, and it's predictions. And Greff written them down this time, so I'm going to throw it over to Greff. Because someone forgot their notepad. I did. But we'll go with this one. Belfast v Dundee at Belfast. There's no alcohol. No. Who cares? Move on. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, Belfast 4 2. Belfast 4 yep. 1. And I'm going to say Belfast 5 1. Nottingham. The Coventry in Nottingham. Nottingham 5-2. Coventry 4-3 in overtime. I'd say Coventry 3-2 in overtime. Cardiff v Guildford. Cardiff. So no fans. Cardiff 6-1. Cardiff 5-2. I'm also going with Cardiff. I'm going to say 4-2. And then New Year's Day, we've got Manchester v Nottingham. Manchester 2-1. Manchester 4-3 in OT. I guess I'm not in game. 4-3 in OT. Dun, dun, dun. I don't want to jinx it. The new normal. Don't jinx it, it's fine. We don't, go, we don't say... The team's going to win, and they, they actually win, as we found out over previous episodes. True. Then we've got Coventry v Dundee in Coventry. Coventry 4-2. Yeah, I agree with that. Coventry 4-2. I can see Coventry, but 5-3. There we have the reverse fixture, Guildford v Cardiff in Guildford. Guildford 4-3. So Guildford. Guildford 4-3 for you then, Joe? No, I was going to say Guildford 3-2, it just meant more generic than it said Guildford. Ah, fair enough. So I've got 3-2 down for you? Yeah, please. 
going to say Cardiff. 4-3. Then we have Nottingham v Belfast in Nottingham. Belfast 4-3 in overtime. Belfast 5-3. I'm going to say Belfast as well, but 4-2. Then we have Assyrian 5 come out of protocols by then. Dundee v 5. Jesus. Dundee 3-1. Dundee 3 2 in overtime. I said Dundee 4 3 in OT. Give you some tired looks. Especially the next game, because it's Dundee v Nottingham. Dundee 4 1. Dundee 5 2. I'm going to say Nottingham 5-3. And the last one is Glasgow v Sheffield. Assuming this game goes ahead, um, Sheffield 4-3. Sheffield 4-2. I'm going to go with that, Joe, as well. Sheffield 4-2. Was it? That's it. Sound. Um, since we've got no Stafford, so we've got no Stafford stories or Stafford stats to do. So actually, that's the end of the agenda that we have for the year. Um, I guess the main thing now is to say to anybody listening, we hope you have a very good New Year. Um, obviously, we'll plug the socials before Dave reminds me. Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at MSM Podcast, uh, Facebook My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. Uh, again, if you want to be part of the group, have a look on our page. You should be able to see it. Join, and we'll uh, obviously approve you and get you added in, so we can get your questions and input for the podcast. Um, but yeah, other than that, gents, another podcast in the books. Um, and yeah, we hope everybody has a new year. Dave, um, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, thank you very much, Graf. Um, thank you to Andy in the context of for the past year of podcasts. Uh, thank you to anybody who's listened um, to all the feedback, both on the internet and in person. Um, it makes doing these calls at daft o'clock makes it worthwhile. Um, I hope we all go quietly into 2022 and it's... Uh, productive year for everybody um but wish everybody all the best yeah absolutely that's it um and let's hope that there's less covid in 2022 that's just, just you know if it does just fizzle away and disappear it's just there's always that little hope um Griff, thank you very much sir thank you very much joe thanks dave to andy as well for the exact same reasons for the good pocket good podcasting hope everyone has a, a good new year they 
hopefully don't wake up with too much of a sore head. But there's paracetamol if you've got a hangover. And yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, we hope everybody listening uh, had a fantastic Christmas and has a fantastic New Year. Um, we'll be back in the New Year, hopefully, to talk about some British hockey, provided that it doesn't stop because every team ends up in permanent COVID protocol. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed for less COVID. Fingers crossed that we get the end of the season. Fingers crossed that GB can stay up and go forward to uh, St. Petersburg because Russia sounds, uh, sounds a little different, but a, a little good. Um, I've just realised another highlight that we've not mentioned and I can't think of a better way to end the final episode of 2021 highlight of the year getting a pint bought for for podcasting oh from the goat <laughs> of course how can we not talk about a, an appreciation of the goat I know we apologise Oh, literally, I was just about to say that, Simon. We apologise that you that we didn't mention the the pint that you bought in our highlights. But believe you me, it was it was very much a highlight. But uh, but no, um, you know, on a serious note, we hope everybody has a safe New Year. Um, we hope everybody can avoid COVID because obviously it's going around a hell of a lot at the moment. So if you are listening, um, stay safe. Have a great New Year. And uh, we'll be back in 2022 for uh, more episodes of My Fancy Zamboni. Thanks a lot.